Hi, Steve Cooper, and welcome to this Rank Success broadcast. And this one is on the topic uh, and about the role of inspector. So for those of you who are aspiring sergeants, well, anybody can listen to this actually, but what I wanted to do is just share some food for thought, some meaningful guidance, some tips, just to trigger uh, your own thinking and to get you to think and reflect on what it is you've got to offer a um, promotion board or selection process, depending on whether you have a panel or an assessment center, and that you will bring to the rank. And the reason for today's kind of um, broadcast is I received a testimonial yesterday, which I'm just going to read to you very quickly. Uh, and then I'm going to kind of reflect on that uh, testimonial and then go into some of the areas that I think you might find useful if you're someone who's aspiring to the role and who wants to kind of get the best out of uh, your uh, promotion process and to achieve your potential, to realise your potential. And uh, as I encourage you to aim to do, which is to smash it out the ballpark. And just a, a bit of thought for you to reflect is just to think about now, what kind of board experience do you want? What, what would be good? What would you want the panel to think or to say when you leave the room? Because you can think about all of that now and you can choose to commit to the depth and breadth of preparation that's required. Now, I do have digital downloadable toolkits and a four-hour promotion masterclass uh, video that you can download and hit the ground running. So all of these tips are covered a little bit more tightly in those, uh, in those products. And you can download those, hit the ground running, and crack on straight away. This is something for you if you're out walking your dog or if you're out walking on the beach, as people have contacted me, just to have a think through, to have a listen, and to see if it, if it triggers any uh, particular um, uh, thoughts or uh, actions, which is the main thing, uh, to help you in your approach to your opportunity. So this testimony I received yesterday, I was really pleased with, and it generally, when I receive these testimonials and I receive them, you can go and have a look on my site, um, and you will see uh, lots and lots of testimonials from people who have been successful and when I get them I'm generally really inspired uh, when I receive them because it's it's lovely to hear people's feedback on how all this theory goes on the day uh, when they convert it into um, you know sounds coming from their mouth on a promotion board or in a presentation so or a briefing so this uh, testimonial then is from Andy who passed his inspectors board and he says, hi, Steve, I just wanted to drop a line to say how valuable I found your podcasts. I purchased the toolkit, which was great, but I found the material in the podcasts and the way that I learn made the material really accessible, thought provoking, and gave me lots to think about to prepare whilst building up to my board. I found out yesterday I'd passed my inspector board, first time of trying in a very competitive process. I also received a call from a member of the panel of my board saying that I'd done very well, that I had a clear structure, and I was one of the few people they'd seen who came in and delivered what they wanted to say. Thanks for all your help, and I'd recommend your material to any prospective candidate. So that's Andy who got through his uh, inspector's panel. And that kind of fills me with, you know, um, a real warm feeling, a sense of reward, because you know, I'm putting those products out, those downloadable toolkits, the four-hour promotion masterclass, the free podcast, the free YouTube videos for you to use. And even though they're there, people are not using them. Uh, and that's probably down to me 
uh, not having enough awareness, so I'm pushing that as much as I can. I, to a certain extent, I rely upon people who are uh, successful candidates, and there are many, 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 um, uh, hundreds of them now, who are spreading it by word of mouth. And the whole aim really is to um, is for people not to experience what I and many of my colleagues at the time experienced, which is where there's nothing available for you, or very, very little that's meaningful in terms of guidance and support for candidates. What I want to do is put out there a whole kind of patchwork, quilt work uh, of products uh, for those that want to learn by watching uh, the videos, listening to the podcasts or reading through um, my blogs. And I just want to make sure that enough is out there for people who want to take action because it's hard enough anyway getting through a process. So those toolkits and all my products are there for people who want to just hit the ground running. Um, so that that. Uh, feedback there from Andy uh, I quite liked it because um, he alludes to the fact that the toolkit was good and the toolkit does the job it's a toolkit uh, that goes through uh, the role it goes through leadership styles it goes through frameworks it goes through examples detailed structured examples of promotion evidence which is good not only if you've got um, an application to do but it's also really good to trigger your thoughts and reflection around verbal responses, how you might shape those uh, and add to those and make them the best that they can be. Also helps you to interpret questions. A lot of people have uncertainty and worries and fears and concerns about just what is it the board are going to ask me? And my stance on that is it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter and it's not worth you worrying too much about that because you can't do too much about it. But what you can do is work on yourself and incrementally get better and better. Raise your awareness, uh, develop your confidence by doing the work now to start familiarizing yourself with all of this. It's not, it's not um, normal. It's not normal for people to walk around in a state of readiness for a promotion selection process. Um, certainly where I come from, it's not normal. It's a state that you have to achieve and it's perfectly possible for you to achieve by committing to just doing some of this work. And I'll move on in a minute and go through these points um, that I want you to think about um, and uh, and kind of really get your thoughts into because you can see why people like Andy then get invited back or uh, I'm talking about other, other testimonials there where people have actually been um, contacted by members of the board or they've had emails from members of the board to say, look, what was it you did? How did you prepare? to stand out so much from the other candidates. And a lot of that is, is, is well, all, all of the people on my site, in terms of the testimonials, I think the great majority of them, a uh, very small minority, have not got in common with each other. Uh, the fact that they downloaded the digital toolkit or the masterclass or have attended a masterclass, just to help them kind of align to some of these basic concepts of what you can do and to avoid the pitfalls and the basic mistakes that the great majority of candidates make. And one of those is not knowing the role. So coming back to the topic of this particular podcast, it's about the role. And it's unsurprising to, to kind of start at the point of if they say to you, what's your understanding of the role of an inspector? Um, and I often ask that to people who speak to me on the phone and we realize very, very, very quickly, generally, that there's a lot more work that can be done around that because that's the kind of question you need to hit out the ballpark because you get five minutes to do it. And there's no use drying up after 30 seconds. It really does reflect that you haven't really thought much about it. Um, 
even if you're doing it. So even if you're doing acting or temporary inspector at the moment, it doesn't matter if you don't understand what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis in terms of the functions and dimensions of the role and your achievements and what it is you're focusing on in terms of mission, vision and values um, and how you're managing yourself and your team and your work. So the role of inspector could be as easy as, you know, good morning, sit down. As soon as you walk into the, the promotion board, uh, could you tell us your understanding or describe your understanding of the role of inspector or how is the role of inspector different to the role of a sergeant? Um, what will you do as, an, as a newly promoted inspector? So just introducing that topic there, if you haven't already heard of it, of forward uh, and forward-facing questions and rear-facing questions. So rear-facing, tell us about an example of what you have done. And, you know, forward-facing questions are, what will you do? How will you do it? <coughs> Etc. Okay, so some of the questions just to kind of hit the ground running with you now, uh, to think about uh, as you approach this, um, what qualities would you bring to the role of inspector? And why are you ready now? So often that could be uh, in the shape of a verbal question like that, but it's often features also in um, promotion applications. So could you please write a letter to the chief constable stating why you, why you, why you're ready for promotion now and particularly ready for the role of inspector? And when you start to commit to something like that, which is something I actually encourage people to do, and I'd encourage you to do it right now, or shortly after listening to this, or whenever you get a chance, sit down with a piece of paper and do that. Write a letter to your Chief Constable and explain why you should be promoted now to Inspector. That will really focus. It's a great exercise, um, and you can see why, why, why forces do it. Um, and as someone who's going for a promotion interview or aspires to Inspector, that's a great thing for you to do, because you'll probably get writer's block and you'll need to come back to it three or four times in order to craft and shape that letter and to rephrase it, reword it, rework it until it's the best that you can do and it's something that you'd be happy to send and to be considered um, for the question of promoting you. So that's just one question. Um, how have you managed change, set standards and developed staff? So that's a good one. How have you? So what examples have you got of that? What evidence do you have to offer of that? For something as simple as that and try and think about weaving that together and structuring a response to that in five or six minutes. Um, give an example of when you've built relationships with stakeholders to solve a problem. So that's a good question because often as an inspector you'll be working in the short, the medium, the longer term through partnerships um, and managing relationships. So it's not um, you know, unsurprising to be asked a question like that. Give me an example or give us an example of when you've dealt um, with that. Uh, another one is, could you give an example of where you've dealt with an operational response? Well, these are very general questions and often people are thrown by them that they're so simple and they may not appear to relate to a competency. And that's okay. Because if you've done the work ahead, you'll understand the opportunity that comes with that question to cover three or four different uh, different perspectives. So hopefully these are just some, some ideas, some thoughts to get you going. Um, give an example of how you contribute to the organization's aims of support under representative groups. So I recently did a series of blogs on diversity, equality and inclusion, which you may want to have a look at my site and read through those because we can't go through all of that question now, but the question is what it is. What would your response be to that? Are you ready now to respond to that verbally? 
and it's okay if you're not. Um, what leadership style have you adopted and what values will you bring to the organisation or do you bring to the organisation? I'd call that a loaded question because um, <coughs> I wrote a, a blog around booby trap questions. So what leadership style, singular, have you adopted? And what values do you bring to the organisation? I've done videos on values. So there's quite a lot of content in that short, simple question for you to think about and craft and construct a response when you're ready. Um, the key thing there is you probably don't have one leadership style as a police officer or certainly as, a, as, as someone going for inspector. Uh, there will be other aspects of that um, that you will deploy in the workplace or utilise in the workplace to get things done and that will be driven or informed by your values and the organisation's values and the team's values. So again, there's three, four, five, six questions there just to get you kind of thinking about the role of inspector. So... Um, one of the ways also I, I speak to um, promotion candidates uh, going for inspector is tell me the role of a sergeant. And they're already experienced sergeants with years of experience. Could you tell me the role of a sergeant, please? But I'll probably say, you know, would you tell me the difference between the role of a sergeant and an inspector? And it's quite surprising, really, that that gap is there, even though someone's done it. And, and you might think this is a moot point. <coughs> but as a, an inspector, it's your job to get things done through other people, to delegate and to work strategically. And your sergeants are a means of you working strategically and delegating effectively. So if you don't know what their roles are, how are you going to do that? So again, it's just food for thought for you to think about uh, and understand both of the roles so that you can understand the similarities between the roles. And there are similarities, you know, both roles manage resources, both roles are responsible for leadership, for people, performance and change. And both roles are uh, expected uh, to perform well around decision making. But there are other key functions and dimensions that are distinctly separate, even though those roles should supplement and complement each other in terms of the direction of work in the organisation. So have a think about that. Um, and then think about, OK, let's go back to that original question. What, what do I know about the role of an inspector? Where can I find that out? Where is that information written down? Who's gone and written that down? Someone has, somewhere. Well, unsurprisingly, the College of Policing have a page for each of the ranks with information around what the interpretation is of what those ranks do, how they are viewed, how they are recorded um, on the College of Policing. Have a look at that. It's one way of you looking at what the role is. Um, certain job descriptions, um, role profiles in the organization will have elements of the sergeant's role uh, of the inspector's role um, in them for you to think about what you find out very quickly is there's an overwhelming amount of information that starts building up just about that what's the role so in my toolkits in my digital toolkits you will find a little mnemonic that has helped hundreds and hundreds of officers to get through um, it's just a mnemonic. It's just my interpretation of what the uh, um, inspector's role is. I mean, you'll also find the sergeant's role in there as well, which is why it's good for um, constables going for sergeant. But it's just a mnemonic, and I work with mnemonics. I've written blogs on mnemonics, and they're a great way of you chunking information. And why do you want to go through a whole over overwhelming load of information when all you've got to do is think about and conjure up the mnemonic 
for inspector and you can play with it and you can work it around as you want to but you shouldn't have to be thinking about all that um, you should be able to just go straight into a mnemonic the role of inspector as I see it is and that just helps you to be verbally proactive and uh, you know in your responses in your thinking and you know a front foot approach so even mentally you're on a front foot approach in the interview rather than a rear foot um, uh, response so it's very helpful to, for you to have a, a meaningful understanding of what the role is and I've just covered some of it you know providing leadership well leadership's a massive subject and no surprise there inspectors are expected to deliver leadership but what does that mean well let's split it up it's leadership for people performance and change so there's three key areas here for you to think about so what examples have you got of where you've delivered uh, leadership or um, any evidence or examples you've got under those three areas so leadership for people performance and change um, <clears throat> now when you're a sergeant you allocate work and that's understandable and you may monitor some of it uh, through the uh, progress of uh, crime complaints crime reports etc but inspectors allocate work and they monitor the progress and the quality of it over the short and the medium and the longer term so often inspectors uh, are working uh, over a longer period of time three to six months and what we're starting to do now is get you to start thinking about strategic aspects so working more broadly beyond your team beyond your station because some inspectors have virtual teams force-wide they have teams across departments so start thinking about how you work strategically what evidence what examples do you have of that there are some really detailed structured examples at the level of the rank in my downloadable digital toolkits that you can download have a look at that and go oh yeah well I've done that <laughs> I just would never have phrased it or written it like that um, but now I get it and that's what it's about it's about just generating lots of aha or light bulb moments for yourself so that you can be the best you can be on the day um, inspectors also set the course and the direction for staff so there's mission, vision and values, you know, your force mission, um, the vision, which is generally around building safer communities together. Um, the vision might be particularly specific, but not all forces have a mission and a vision. So what's yours? Do you know it? How are you going to articulate that? Not only on a board, in the context of a board, but to your teams uh, when you're promoted. Um, inspectors adjust their behaviours as required so there's no one style as I alluded to earlier on but what does that mean for you adjusting your behaviour um, inspecting the standards you know the, those bath stars that you aspire to signify the inspection of standards so whilst your sergeants will be setting communicating and reinforcing standards as an inspector you inspect the standards that sergeants set communicate and reinforce or do you Again, it's just food for thought uh, and getting you to think uh, around those topics and those issues. So identifying and managing operational threats and risks is something that inspectors do as well. I mean, I could go on. As I say, there's a mnemonic that helps you pull all these issues together. And once you know them, once you've got them embedded in your thoughts and your approach for a board, it's a lot easier to, um, to respond to any questions that are role-based and you will get them. Um, and operational based and you will get them so just on a very you know um, on a higher kind of level around your thinking around operational issues 
as an inspector, you're going to be prioritizing certain things. You're going to be thinking in a kind of what I call a hierarchy, hierarchical approach to thinking. So um, life is the first and foremost, unsurprisingly. So um, Article 2, uh, everything you do around your decision-making operationally will be focused around the protection of life. Um, the reputation of the force and the police service. Well, that'll be high up on your thinking uh, priorities. The reputation of the criminal justice system is something you'll also consider. Why? Because it's so closely wedded to the reputation of the force and the police service. So that's something you'll be considering. Um, considering the wider public uh, and the effects of your decision making and those of your teams and of course uh, police officers and staff. You'll be thinking about those. So those are some of the kind of higher level things that you'll be thinking about as an inspector. Um, as I say, if you want to do a deeper dive into the role, you can do that uh, through the toolkits you can download. What I'm trying to do is just kind of provide some food for thought um, for you to start thinking about where you're going to make a start if you haven't already. Okay, so when we're talking about, um, you know, your leadership style, uh, have a think about that in some detail. What is it? How does it manifest itself? In what situations? What leadership styles do you know of now? What leadership styles are you aware of? Um, how does that play out in the workplace? Are you a good leader? What does that mean? What does good leadership mean? And what I find generally when I'm speaking to people is leadership is something that everybody's got an idea on. Everybody's got their own perspective on. But it's much, much, much bigger than that. So looking from the outside in, not what you're doing, looking from the inside out, what does leadership look like? What can it be like? What are the styles? How do they play out in the workplace? Which styles are right? Which styles don't work in policing? And again, you'll find uh, tips and guidance and food for thought around that. Um, one of the key things at the moment in, in policing, and I would suggest you look at everything that's happening in context in the police at the moment, uh, so some of the challenges facing policing around, you know, and there's a question, another question, you know, what, what do you see as a as a inspector candidate as some of the challenges facing policing at the moment? And that could be lots of things. So, you know, terrorism, serious crime, uh, resources and funding, they're always there. Uh, the technolo technological advance, that's there. Public scrutiny and expectations, that's there. Changing demographics, particularly in relation to your force. So what do you know about the communities in your force? Who are they? Where are they? What are their needs? How do you know? Where did you get that information from if you do have it? Okay, and one of the other current things moving on is, you know, officers are, you know, reported widely in the media as, as um, seeking to leave the organisation or they're actually leaving. What are your thoughts about that as a leader? Now you could get that question on a, I don't know, we're emotionally aware, a CVF question, you could do, um, or it could be something around deliver, support and inspire. It doesn't really matter, but if you do the work, you'll start making those links for yourself. There's a fantastic article that I read about this issue um, in the Oxford Review, uh, and it was by a doctor called Dr. Tung Ming Lin, and looked at this issue around people stating, as they do in lots of organisations, their intention to leave. There's a really interesting bit of research and, and around the fact that it's a normal reaction to change, you know, when there's difficult times. 
And the consequences are not good when people leave for the organisation. And it affects people's commitment to the organisation. It affects morale. It affects team relationships. And it affects team functioning. The article talks about the psychological contract with the organisation that officers have. And with each other. So these are the unwritten expectations or rules. And, and change, particularly turbulent change, can impact on trust and result in emotional reactions. And it talks about the basis of a team is a shared mental model. And shared mental models are the basis of a definable culture. And policing cultures in the media as well at the moment. What, we, what does all this mean to you as an inspector, candidate? And have a look at that article if you can find it on the Oxford Review um, I've certainly put a link I think I put a link to it in my toolkit so I'm not exactly sure I'll, I'll go and check that after this um, but at the end of the day managing change if you remember what I said earlier on leadership for people performance and change is part of the inspector's role so you know when you get a team and you will have had a team as a sergeant, but you may get teams, you may get a bigger team as an inspector, you'll certainly have more responsibilities. And in those teams are people, the most valuable resource that you can have. And you get the privilege uh, to lead them, uh, to manage them, to look after their well-being, uh, and also to deal as part of that with the human problems, the people problems, the people issues that come with that. So change is very much a part of your leadership as an inspector. So what do you know about that? How will you manage change? What's your best example of managing change at the moment? What's your understanding of the steps of change, the key steps of change in any kind of cycle? So um, you'll find on my YouTube channel, I talk one of the little books to help you understand that is Our Iceberg is Melting by John Cotter. And that talks about the different steps of change that normally happen. But also, what about the human reactions of that? So, you know, victims, bystanders, critics and navigators. You know, what's that all about? Because you will be dealing with those issues. So stepping back from that now, what do you know about that? So the, the victims, there will always be victims, genuine victims, but there will also be people who resist and revert um, to old methods. You know, why are they doing this to me? They become upset or stressed. They give up or panic. Then you've got the bystanders which say, you know, let others take the lead. They're passive, they're reluctant to be involved. It'll all blow over soon. And then you've got the critics. They theorise, they focus on all the negatives, vocal opposition, strong resistance. This is unfair, it's wrong because... But as an inspector candidate, and as a sergeant to a certain extent, all of those people are your people. The best people with genuine views. That reflect what's occurring in the organization and then of course you've got the navigators the people that take charge they've got a growth mindset they find the way they seek opportunities and their approach is you know it won't hurt to give something a try it won't hurt to give it a try navigators that's you so if you're listening to this you may well be a victim you may well be a bystander and you may well be a critic not on a promotion board you're not you're a navigator because that's the context we're talking about managing changing so that's a, a bit of a whistle stop tour through some of the, the, the stuff that I'm talking about but um, decision making is one of the key parts of the inspector's role as well and I'll probably finish on this one really because there's a massive link to ethics and moral philosophy uh, in decision making. Now in police decision making there's the national decision model which is a fantastic model. Um, it is 
probably the best model that I've ever seen. It's well researched. It's applicable to tactical and strategic situations and decisions. And at the heart of it is the code of ethics. So what does that mean to you? What do you know about the code of ethics? And often I'll ask that question to people who are serious about going for promotion boards. Just imagine this is the chair of the board saying, good morning, could you just explain to us and summarize for us the code of ethics? I've never ever met anybody who can do it. And there are nine principles to it and you've got five minutes to think through it and talk through it. How does that play out in the workplace? How does it affect your behavior as a newly promoted leader? How does it affect your behavior now? What are the expectations around the code of ethics? So have a, if you listen to this thinking, that's a good point, Steve, uh, I better go and do a refresher on the code of ethics. That's good because you will not only have to make your own decisions based on ethical uh, conduct and using the NDM. And I don't just mean between the right or the wrong decision because, you know, life's not black and white, it's grey. And there may well be four or five right decisions to make. The legal teams, the barristers, are only going to be interested in why you chose the one that affected their particular client when you could have made other decisions. So having a rationale and being able to make defensible decisions is important um, because you can't please all the people all the time. So it comes down to you make a to make a decision and also to defend and to um, support your teams, your team members, when they make decisions and get them wrong or there's learning points identified. So very much an issue around ethical decision-making using the NDM and for you to think about it from that perspective as a uh, aspiring inspector candidate. So, you know, when you're faced with the difficult people management decisions, as I alluded to just now, um, or other difficult decisions, there's a short test you can take around that. So ask yourself some questions. Is the action that you're considering legal? Does it comply with our values in the organization? Is it fair, equitable? Is it reasonable in all the circumstances? If you do it, will you feel bad? If you don't do it, will you feel bad? And how will it look in the media? If you know it's wrong, don't do it. If you're not sure, ask. So this is something around, you know, what will you do when your teams come to you with difficult decisions that you need to think through, work through, talk through? When they've made a mistake, how will they be treated? And of course, ethics is at the heart of all that, particularly around policing culture. So you can do lots of mapping, what you call mapping, between um, the code of ethics and the competency and values framework, CVF. So you will find in my digital guides that on the interpretation I've, um, the graphic that I've uh, produced or designed on the uh, CVF, you'll find there's a solid link to the particular code of ethics areas um, for decisions and for the particular competency. So honesty and integrity um, are very much around, you know, the integrity value in, com in competency and values framework. Um, you will find a foundation stone in there, which I use uh, for the code of ethics because I believe it is the foundation stone. And then you'll find the supporting pillars, which are the relevant values in the CVF as described. So transparency, uh, impartiality, public service and integrity. So trying to make those links is really important for you because what you'll find is it will all join up and you'll join up when you're more confident to be able to talk about these issues and to make these links. Okay, so 
I've covered a few things there around the inspectors. Well, I'm not going to cover everything because I haven't got time to do it, but you will find a deeper dive in my digital toolkits in the four hour promotion masterclass in the blogs that I put out, um, the free blogs on my site, ranksuccess.co.uk. There's also a lot of free um, short videos uh, that I've put together over the last couple of years um, on YouTube, so Rank Success YouTube, and uh, podcasts like this one uh, and others for you if you prefer to listen. And the point I really want to kind of make at the end of all, all of this is that every one of you goes through your own approach as you prepare for a promotion selection process, and there are things that you, you know, could do, um, should do, must do. What I try and do is focus the products on what you, what I believe you need to do to be able to, at some stage, hopefully in the future, send me a testimonial to say, hey, I got that phone call from the board member afterwards. To, they wanted to know how I managed to set myself apart. And if you go and have a look at the testimonials on the website, for me, that's the proof of the pudding. That's the proof that this works for so many officers at Sergeant Inspector and Chief Inspector rank. Um, I can't do everything, I can't lay it all out, but what I can do is support your thinking, uh, respectfully provoke and, and trigger some thoughts so that you can build in your own experience, your own expertise, and then give yourself that time and space to start practicing, joining it all together, and then get yourself on that promotion process and achieve your goals and your dreams and your hopes and your aspirations. Okay, thank you for listening to my dulcet bummy tones. I will be back with another um, broadcast uh, very shortly. And until then, take care and stay safe.